Hi, this is the first podcast that I am doing um, around PTSD, uh, educating, diagnosing, um, and just a, a bit of a talk really to others to understand how they can help, um, how they can assist in any other way, um, and kind of more, moving more towards the kind of medical practices that will help us um, in the future as these sort of like different things develop. Um, I'll be speaking to my friend Gabriella in this um, podcast. It is an hour long, so have yourselves sit down to listen to this one. Um, it's great to listen to if you're just cooking a meal or just on the way to work, whatever you're doing. Uh, it'd be great to um, have you guys listening in and, and um, really looking forward to hearing what um, Gabriel says to all of this. Hello. Hey. Hey, fantastic to have you on. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in this um amazingly turbulent time at the moment. Um it's a bit of a crazy time to do a podcast, but I think it's it's an absolutely fantastic opportunity to come on and um speak about these things that are just so important right now. I mean, for things with mental health and everything. Um so first of all, I'm just gonna um start off um just a little bit about you. Um so just tell the people what they need to know about you, and uh, maybe a little story about how we met and how we connected and things like that. Um, yeah, so I'm a musician, I'm a writer, um, poet. I've been suffering with PTSD for like two and a half years now um, and looking, kind of looking into different options of healing it and treating it and just really researching and finding out as much as I can. And how did we meet? We met on that Sub 25 retreat. Yeah, it was a Buddhist retreat in London, yeah. and I had just come back from Cyprus. Um, it was a treat to myself, actually, and I was like, I'm doing this thing, I'm going, I'm doing it, and it was amazing. I met so many amazing people. Um, and it's good because sometimes you, you have some people on social media that you don't speak to. I mean, you know, you're not seen for years and all yeah. this sort of thing. So it's nice to have that kind of connection where you're like, oh, yeah, that's that person. And I did that thing. And, yeah. both, you know, similar um, in loads of different things. Um, so now we're a little bit like that. We're just going to go into talking about PTSD. I mean, tell the people exactly what is PTSD from like your understanding and I'll mm. chip in a little bit as well um you know how how's it come about and you know when your kind of story with it really yeah so I, I mean obviously I'm not a professional so my definition is not going to be like super accurate but it's basically just the response to trauma I mean not everyone that experiences trauma will develop PTSD but I think it's quite common like if something really traumatic happens to you then it's PTSD mm -hmm. um, if it's like a one-off incident then it's PTSD if it's kind of chronic prolonged like you're being held hostage or there's abuse happening then it's complex PTSD um, and basically I have both because I had a like a traumatic one-off incident and then I also had more of a prolonged kind of chronic abuse situation um, and it's basically just how the body reacts to those incidents and keeps trauma kind of stored in your body. And it has these like physical effects, but also obviously mental, um, physiological, and it is just really, really difficult to live with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they're quite different as well, aren't they? So so PTSD is something that only lasts, um, from my understanding, for a very short amount of time. Uh, whereas yeah. complex PTSD is something you know, where you've been in a situation, say if you've had a very abusive childhood, you're not able to escape that situation. So mm. you've been in it for a very long time. Um, and it's something, you know, that's that's been going on in all sorts of different ways as well. Sometimes it can be physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, a combination of all three. It could be um, a lot, a lot of different things. Um, and how exactly, obviously we talked a little bit about the body. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the bodily sort of sensations that people kind of experience with PTSD and just let people kind of know what you would naturally see or feel or what, what maybe you wouldn't yeah. normally see? Um, so for me, it's mainly like really stiff muscles, um, like really, really stiff. I also kind of would get 
like shooting pains in my muscles as well with with no other explanation like I would be at the doctors all the time um and they'd kind of just tell me you know it's stress like it's the PTSD because if you have PTSD then you're on high alert all the time you're kind of in like fight or flight mode 24 7 you're on alert and you're anxious and at least for me that anxiety and panic attacks especially in public um was a massive massive part of it and not feeling safe all the time so like I'd feel safe in my house pretty much but even then I'd be really on edge and like jumpy and um just yeah I just have this like constant stiffness because when you're in fight or flight mode obviously your body wants to get ready to fight (laughs) or run away um so it's just like constant adrenaline and cortisol like flooding my system but it's actually never being released like it's never there's never actually any threat happening so it never gets to release um so that's been my main kind of body sensation but um yeah and I think uh, you know there's the sort of like idea of if somebody if an animal in the wild um got frightened you know they, they would freeze and they would shake it off and then they would, yeah. they would kind of carry on with it. Yeah. As human beings with our nervous system, it doesn't exactly have the chance to do that. If I was just there standing in the street, giving it all this shaking, you know, people would be like, what is she doing? She's absolutely nuts or crazy, you know. Um, so it kind of gets trapped a lot within the body. And I know a lot of the work that I've done worked on a lot of the, I'll go a little bit later into TRE exercises and releasing that sort of tension. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being constantly there is pretty physically exhausting on your body and something that you can't, yeah. you can't control. Um, when I had to go back to work when I wasn't ready to, when I, and I had to because I had no other financial choice, I was very flinchy. I was very jumpy. It was not mm. something that I was doing. My body was doing it and it constantly felt like I was in a very, very di- dangerous situation. Um, and I think, you know, the slightest, tiniest noise could make me, you know, jump or, you know, want to run somewhere. Um, and I think, you know, same thing with with disassociation because that's a massive thing. I don't think that... Um, people understand enough about or so you know some people experience it for years I had a friend on Facebook the other day post about it and she was like this is what this is I've had this for years and I've been going to the doctors and everyone thinks that I'm crazy and it's no it's an actual diagnosis it's a thing and you can have you know disassociative sort of um DID which is a identity disorder which is a completely different thing um you can yeah. have sort of disassociative states just once in your life you know or you can have it um as part of a, a symptom as an, another mental health diagnosis so I know that that comes under PTSD as well um yeah I think the dissociation is really common in like complex PTSD because mm. obviously if you're in a chronic situation when you where you can't escape then dissociating from your body and your surroundings becomes your defense mechanism and obviously it can help you survive um it definitely helped me survive at the time but then obviously when it's over and you're safe you're you're in a completely different situation it's still there and it's really not helpful yeah and I think it's um it's something that um, it's so hard to describe it's almost like looking above your body and seeing yourself as you kind of look down some people say they can't they don't experience feeling their hands or their feet um, and I remember having one of those episodes of people going oh, you're right like you know completely freaking out about it because I was so used to it I was just like yeah I'll be fine in like two minutes when I can feel my hands and feet again um, so it's, it's obviously quite scary for somebody else to understand that um, or no, or suddenly I'll be with someone, I enter a disassociative state, they don't understand what's happening. And then 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh my God, I'm back in the room again. <laughs> We're back to reality. Um, so I think that that's um, another thing, but it, it makes for some amazing art and some amazing artists. I mean, I, that's what I've really been putting a lot of my energy into. And I think that I used to see it as a curse and now I see it more as a blessing because it's, I use that time after I come out of that episode to really get creative. Mm. Um, And you as a singer will probably understand this as well. You know, you can really force that energy into a different kind of place. Yeah. And I think that that is really, really helpful. Um, So obviously we've, we've covered some of the things. um, So uh, dissociation, 
and um, we've talked about obviously the body being in, in fight or flight mode um yeah but i think the main factor massive massive factor with ptsd is a social aspect of it and i know that that's yeah, oh my god yeah definitely connected um, mm. so tell me a little bit about you and how you handle it or have been handling it and everything um yeah it's really difficult I think also because my trauma was like relational trauma mm-hmm. um I generally feel really unsafe in social situations especially big groups but even if the group isn't that big even if it's only one or two people like like three or four people that kind of thing I just feel really on edge like I'm much better just one-to-one um and I'm not even sure why that is because it, it wasn't like my trauma happened in a big group but mm-hmm. I just find it really hard to connect with people um especially if we're in like a restaurant or somewhere crowded because I'm kind of keeping track of everything that's happening around us and I'm yeah I'm sort of always just on the lookout for possible threats I'm also I do a thing where I kind of really analyze the other person's like face and body movements and um try and scan for their mood and stuff like that just kind of trying to figure out like if you're safe are you gonna become unsafe you know like is it okay for me to be here Mm. um which obviously probably isn't great for the other person like you don't want to feel like you're being (laughs) constantly sized up but that is how it kind of manifests for me yeah, definitely. I I feel that as well. I feel it is almost almost like sensory overload, uh, mm. and I think that only a certain amount of people understand that. When I had my whole PTSD breakdown, I could only be in the room with you know one person at once, and then it was too slowly increasing that. And and it's it's about uh, creating space. And I never mm. knew until I've gone through all of my kind of healing and the, the trauma stuff that I had to go through, what that sentence meant about creating space because you are it's almost like you're visually enclosed when you've got PTSD because it's you can only see it's like a horse with the blinkers on you can only see so far and anything outside of that space is just too much for you to kind of um take in and understand and I think that's um something that people sometimes find hard and I remember speaking to one of my friends who's actually got an autism diagnosis and she was like oh my god me and you are the same people like and I was saying wanting to be social but then too much social time and a lot of people in general I used to be such a social person and ever since you know the episode I think I've been like okay I'll do a few social things and then I'll come back and be on my own now I'm like I really have to work up that energy to go and be in that social space even if it's only for a few people whereas other people can sit and chill in a living room with three or four people all day long and not even mm. about it. they don't even know yeah. the person sat next to them um and I think that that is a massive massive thing for um you know kind of understanding that person they might need some extra time or you know um there's so many different things that you could do but I remember my friend saying to me you know yeah it's so much like that like I need to know exactly when I'm socializing what time how long is it going to be for so I can plan my life around it and I can get ready for it and and it is very much like that it's really nice to have friends who understand the situation that you can dip in and dip out when you yeah. want to and how you want to and sometimes not even just speak like mm. hold the space it's such a massive thing and I know we've talked about it as in holding the space for someone because it's it's like you know I don't want you to talk to me I just want to be there. yeah like it is it's just so hard and like I used to be really social as well I was a massive massive party girl and I was always out I was always at friends houses I was always clubbing and dancing and you know I was never home and so it's really weird now like I've spent the past two years basically just in my room (laughs) rarely ever going out and if I do go out it's this huge thing I have to like mentally prepare myself and I get so tired like talking to people Mm -hmm. which never used to happen to me and it feels really bad but Mm -hmm. I've really suffered socially I think that's the biggest thing that's it's just had a huge impact on my life because obviously like social isolation is really bad for your mental health on top of everything else that PTSD does to you and just this feeling of being completely alone in your experience because I don't know anyone else or at the time I didn't know anyone else that was going through it um 
and I hadn't even been diagnosed yet um so I was just sort of like what is happening why am I suddenly completely exhausted after speaking to someone for like 45 minutes yeah (laughs) I would really like have to crawl in bed and just be like oh my god I need to just sleep for the rest of my life (laughs) yeah yeah no completely and and that's something that we've we've talked about as well in I suppose a little bit more ascending into um awakening paths is that you don't Mm connect on that mundane level anymore when you raise that frequency you're like I don't want to like do meaningless things and spend money on things that I don't want to do or don't want to need and it's it's a really weird kind of position to be in because then you can only kind of intellectually um understand people on that kind of level and that kind of vibration but still also really grippingly hold on to those kind of constructs of society which I think is is a really difficult place to be in because you want to be able to be like everybody else but you realize I'm not like everybody else yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely but that's so weird because I always I mean I've always had visions and like angel visitations and dreams and psychic stuff even as a child so I always felt really different but I was able to exist in the world and I I just never really told anyone it was kind of like well this is just my secret I'm not going to say anything and I could connect with people and socialize and do all of that stuff like go out on a Saturday night and you know get drunk and dance and whatever um but I do feel like it's interesting you said that though because I feel like having the PTSD symptoms has kind of made me have to like go inside Mm -hmm. of myself and be like actually I need to stop doing that I need to actually be true to myself and reveal these things about myself you know to other people and share my experience and not just kind of pretend that I'm happy doing this stuff or that I'm this normal person um yeah so I think it's kind of like led me onto a more of a not more of a spiritual path but it's definitely led me on more of a shamanic path and also sort of in healing it I discovered that I actually did have or I do have um shamanic lineage like my family were shamans and healers and stuff so I think it's yeah it's interesting because a shaman is traditionally someone who has been wounded in some way and then has to heal themselves and then once they heal themselves they can then go on to heal other people yeah definitely and I I remember being at a retreat and I had a very similar sort of experience of, of realizing that um you know came there because it was something that interested me and you know it was just somewhere that I could go and express my pain and not be judged and and feel part of that family group and you know I mean I'm a very um unique person that you go through trauma trauma but you can also go through um you know re-experiencing those that trauma if you go to the wrong methods and I think that that's really really important to hold that stability um in such a forward sort of really go into the root of that that trauma um but I remember somebody saying to me you know this is your blessing this this Mm. has been bestowed on you because you are different but you are meant to go through all of that trauma and that thing that you went to go through to get to where you are and I remember thinking at the time how dare this 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 woman like say this to me I, what are you going on about like she acting like she knows my family and da, da, da. and then, then I remember like looking back at it and going oh my god you yeah, know she was she was right she could see something in me then to say now you know is the time to really accelerate because we're all wounded we're all vulnerable we're all you know we've all had hurt happen in our lives but I think it really is what you do with that struggle that can change that mindset change you know how you view things um and I think that I've been you know held back an awful lot with that and I think there is also um a danger of that spiritual kind of idea or you know that the the ancestral sort of healing or anything you do shamanic path wise going into and we'll talk a little bit about this um now actually about the going into that to an actual western sort of therapist and saying you know yeah no not a good idea (laughs) yeah it's not and I think that's something that I was also I was very 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 aware of um when I almost I'm going to be very honest about this when I almost became became sectioned I was saying don't tell them about my don't tell them about you know my spiritual beliefs and spiritual beliefs and because I thought in my head 
they're, not, they're just not going to understand it. But you wouldn't tell a religious person to stop praying. Why would you tell a spiritual person to stop meditating? There's very weird sort of lines in between it, isn't there? And I do think there is a line where it goes too far. And I think you can definitely tell these people when they have gone too far into conspiracy theory land and, you know, got way up into the clouds and it's everybody else's fault. And it's like the whole idea is to turn back and everybody is a reflection of yourself. So now if I invoke or trigger something in someone, I'm like, ah, okay, right. That's interesting. Or something triggers in me. I see it as something to do more work on um, rather than, um, and I don't like to, you're not going to use this word lightly, but spiritual bypass. Let's put that out there. Yeah, uh, that's a massive thing. Yeah. Um, that's a huge thing in the spiritual community. But I think also, you know, when you go on this path, path of like healing your trauma, it kind of makes you realize that everyone is traumatized, literally everyone. Mm-hmm. And it just opens up your eyes to like people's super unhealthy behaviors and the way that they the ways that they dissociate from their pain and they don't admit it and the you know the messed up like family dynamics that almost everyone has and all these things and it's just really hard for me to like see that in other people and just know that they're not gonna take on board anything that I would say to them and kind of having to watch that so I feel like being on this path of healing it's kind of made me really change the people that I associate with and the people that I'm around and gave me so many realizations about the kind of people I was hanging around with and how unhealthy they were in so many ways Mm. um and just really yeah just really changed my whole perspective and definitely changed my perspective on western medicine and um especially in regards to mental health and just how much they don't know what they're doing and how I've received no help and I know more than the people I'm speaking to and I was even re-traumatized by some of the therapy that I had um and it just is scary how many people are out there practicing like therapy or you know they're counselors or something and they are not trauma informed they're not trained properly they just you know they could do so much damage yeah. it's just yeah it's really like a completely another awakening on top of a spiritual awakening it's like yeah an awakening to our reality and the 3d world around us as well yeah and I think that's that's very very hard as well so talk to me um a little bit about your kind of um path for therapy um both obviously your experience with the wonderful but um very complicated mental health NHS um and your experience as well with kind of different alternative paths or methods that you found to help you at home yeah I mean, the NHS was awful, honestly, like they're killing people and my I'm still on the waiting list. It's been like three years now. <laughs> I've received no help. I've received no um, kind of buffer service. There's just nothing available. When I was being assessed, it was kind of just, you know, oh, maybe you have BPD, you have some BPD traits. And it's like, oh, no, no, actually, you don't have BPD. And they lost all my Uh, information and I had to be like re-put into the system and put on the waiting list again and then it was like oh no it's probably PTSD it's probably complex PTSD Um, and I did a lot of research just generally about you know how mental health is treated in the west now but also in the past and it's basically just like a big experiment and it always has been and it still is and I think people think oh no like it's really moved on everything's really good now they know what they're doing but they really don't And then that caused me to, I mean, I've always been more into like uh, alternative therapies, but I don't even like using that word like alternative Mm -hmm. because it's like most of this stuff is, yeah, but not even that. Most of it is just ancient, you know, healing methods Mm -hmm. like traditional Chinese medicine, um, you know, energy healing, spiritual healing, stuff like that, that's been around for a very, very long time, whereas Western medicine has really not been around for very long at all. Um, so I, yeah, I started getting acupuncture, which really helped me with emotional releasing because I was sort of constantly numb. And then I went to get acupuncture and I just said, you know, I just can't feel anything (laughs) basically. And then it was like, like I got all the needles in me and everything. And then it was just like this explosion of emotion and like crying and like sobbing for days and days. Um, 
which was hor- I mean horrible but also necessary yeah yeah really good and I feel like it really pushed me along in my healing journey and I was you know I was getting Reiki I was getting massage um because that can help with obviously the tenseness in your body but it can also help to release trapped emotions and trapped trauma um and I yeah I got something called theta healing as well which is like a spiritual healing method it's kind of like shamanic soul retrieval where they'll go back and get soul fragments um that you left behind during the traumatic incident wow and I feel like that's been like honestly the most effective thing that I've done so far but I have also um done like more traditional stuff like just therapy and counseling and Mm -hmm. I was doing um schema therapy for a while and then I was just doing general like counseling and I also did a specialist kind of uh therapy for abused like children who are abused in childhood and yeah none of that helped at all I felt like it was re-traumatizing me and it wasn't getting to the bottom of things it was kind of just like oh we're gonna speak about all the horrible things that have happened to you again and again and then you know I'd have nightmares and I'd just come mm. out of the sessions like really dissociated and just feeling awful mm. and paying massive amounts of money for it as well because obviously I was still on the waiting list for the NHS <clears throat> um yeah so yeah just yeah and I think you know that there's so many different points that you covered there um with you know different methods that you tried and I think sometimes um people in therapy they just aren't told that you know it's not just one way you know and I remember Mm. visiting my therapist recently gone through you know two major therapists but recently um and they kind of used me as a little bit of an experiment because you know they aren't in trauma informed oh what are you doing now and you know and I think as well when you talked about the um emotional release you don't necessarily always need to go and talk about this trauma yeah it's all within the body so um a lot of the breath work stuff that I've done with Mark Sutton recently has been super amazing for me I mean I was doing bits of acupuncture and stuff before as well um I've done you know meditation visualization stuff I've done some shamanic um drumming circles you know um I've told you about you know some of the kundalini stuff that I've done before as well um which has been you know very powerful for me but there are certain things in that that can be really trap the nervous system so I think you have to be really really careful of saying okay this is going to help that's too far now um Mm. trauma release exercises as well just talk a little bit about that um so that's certain exercises that you will do to get the body to release all of the trauma that's been stored within your body um and it's just a thing that makes you basically shake basically it makes you you shake shake off all the trauma like a rabbit and all of that that trauma just gets released from your body in such a healthy and expanding way. Um, And I think there are so many, please, 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 if you're listening to this podcast and you you think that, you know, even if it's not PTSD, any sort of trauma stuff, have a look at the different things. Because if you're receiving therapy, even if it's just for depression, anxiety, there is so much out there than just the standard NHS. You know, this is a sheet fill it out or give you some medication you know and I'm not saying that I'm not against medication um I personally obviously um decided that I was going to go on a different path and um I did a lot with um psilocybin mushrooms I did 30 days of that and you know yoga and took other other kind of ways to do it um but I think if you care about yourself and you care about your future and you care about your children and, you know, it's not just you that's being affected, it's everybody else around you. So when you internally heal yourself, you know, you go on to to heal some of that as well, um, which I think is is super duper important. Yeah. And it would be amazing if everyone was embarking on their own healing journey. Because, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, you know, you might be traumatised or but so many people are traumatised and don't know it or they just don't understand that what they've been through was traumatising because there's so little information on it. And there's also this thing of people think you can only get PTSD if you're like an army veteran or something or Mm -hmm. you've witnessed like horrific violence. But 
that's really not true like you can get PTSD from so many different things yeah and I think that's and... that's the thing that's normally portrayed to us isn't it you know PTSD oh it's the soldiers coming back and you know they're on these medications and I know I've seen it myself firsthand but that's what they think generally trauma is and people don't realize that trauma you can have little t's and big t's is what they call in trauma so the little t's can be something so so small and minute um I remember having this conversation at one of the retreats that I was on once and um this lady had brought a seven-year-old son and he spilled over the milk and the glass broke on the table and instantly he looked at everyone and started crying. And it was it was a traumatic event for him. He was there sitting at the yeah. adult's table and the glass had broken and he obviously got upset. Now, I think afterwards what happened was the most important part of how that child would then create a pattern within their mind to know that it's okay to make mistakes. I haven't done anything wrong. Nobody's angry at me. But it was almost like he was looking, what do I do? What do I do? And we were going, oh, it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. You know, it's fine. There's no use crying over spilled milk. We'll clean it up. You know, and it was very much about, you know, getting it done. Da, 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 da. But then somebody also turned around and then said, um, which I think was really interesting as well, but it's okay if he wants to cry. If that's traumatic for him, if, that, if that's a thing and he's upset about the milk, you cry. You cry. And I think that that is so massive to let our children express those emotions because we just don't we just don't let children you know it's always oh get up to be fine oh shush oh you know and it's always hush 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 hush. they need to be expressive and then no British people British people like especially are very emotionally repressed and I think that's a trauma as Mm. well like not being able to express yourself not being able to be honest with yourself and other people and always kind of having to shrink and you know not just have this kind of poker face definitely and and that's something that they they talk about a lot in um some of the work that I've looked at with Mark as well they talk about the face as in you know being kind of the mask and it's the mask that we put on daily it's the mask that you know we hold up against the world and we don't let people you know see if we're upset you know we cry on our own Mm. we don't even cry in front of people you know um you know this sort of toxic masculinity sort of idea that men aren't supposed to cry and they should be strong all the time and you know it's okay to be sad and and I know as human beings especially in British culture that makes us very uncomfortable because it's I think it's very much in today's society masked with a lot of alcohol drugs you know anything to distract that feeling but that's that's another trauma response though like trying to distract yourself from pain Mm -hmm that is like the go-to trauma response like the whole I mean for the whole country it's like I'm just gonna go get drunk or I'm just gonna you know veg out and watch tv and never actually go inside myself and feel my feelings think about what am I you know what am I feeling how do I express these things and yeah like you said I think as kids it's really natural for us to just cry or scream or roll around on the floor like children are very physical with their emotions and with what they want to let out and I think it's the you know as we get older we don't do that we're sort of we'll kind of if we express emotion it's not this physical event and I think that traps the trauma within us even more so because we're just not moving it's like you said about animals shaking Mm -hmm. I'm sure we would shake if that was a socially acceptable thing or if that was something that you know we saw our parents doing but because it isn't we haven't learned to you know keep doing that so we're kind of very still all the time and it just traps the trauma in our bodies even more so. Definitely. And I think a lot of that, you know, that body, that kind of felt sense and the, the somatic sort of movement, you know, somatic is being, being, you know, inside our bodies and understanding how that feels and move. Like I found the five rhythms dance practice, I mean, just so amazing for me um, because I used to just do it in my own kind of mania, in my own kind of head because I would be inside for so long and not able to sort of mm. physically express it. Something I've done since I was a child was dance, and I, and I always kept that with me. But I didn't like the structure of dance. I wanted to dance how I wanted to dance, and I wanted to express how I wanted to yeah. express. 
And I think there's a lot more of those kind of practices coming in now. You know, we've got a static dance and um, five rhythms, Gabrielle Roth, which is an amazing um, thing as well. You've got like a lot of like kind of shamanic sort of dancing. You've got sorts, all sorts of different types of, of movement that people can now express in. Um, and I think... You know, yeah. I think that's that's always a massive, massive part, as well as I suppose the vocal stuff, like singing. I'm guessing is something that is so kind of relieving for you and maybe calming. I don't know. I think singing doesn't really make me feel like that. I guess because it's less of a like whole physical body experience. Um, but dancing, like definitely, I always would dance as a kid. And like, even now, like you said, if I was just at home, I would have to dance. If I ever had any energy, that's what I'd be doing, basically. Mm. And I think dancing is a really um, primal human instinct as well. Like all humans dance and they all tribes would dance. And uh, the kind of African model of like treating mental health is very very somatic whereas like the the western european mental health kind of model of treating things is just not like that at all i remember i was researching it and you know they speak about like needing to go outside be in the sunshine be with your community dance sing you know what i mean kind of like bringing the person back to life rather than like oh let's sit inside and just talk about your traumas and give you this pill and that's going to be your treatment um I can't remember where exactly it was, but it was an African village who had some like mental health workers from, I think it was either the US or the UK, come over and try and treat these um, villagers for PTSD. I think there'd been some kind of, some kind of traumatic event had mm-hmm. happened in the village. And they were basically saying how they had to ask them to leave because they were like, oh, it just got worse because you were just keeping them in this building all day. And it was just, you know, they weren't with their friends or their family and they weren't dancing and they weren't singing and they just weren't living and it just got worse they got even more depressed so they had to ask them to leave wow, <laughs> yeah so it's almost like they're going you're going backwards into everything yeah absolutely absolutely i just feel like we're taking the humanity out of you know well just being human and like <laughs> mental illness do you know what i mean i feel like there's so much pathologizing mm-hmm. whereas it's like you know it's just not hard to be like yeah you went through something traumatic like validating the feelings talking about it if you want to talk about it but then bringing that person back to life and into community because I think community is so important for healing trauma especially if it's been relational trauma um that it's just not possible to heal on your own from those kind of things but I think there's a real focus on like the individual in the west it's kind of like oh but it's you like it's your problem but and you kind of have to fix it and you're going to be the one to you know do everything which is like yeah of course there's some responsibility but we all have to take care of each other and make sure that people are you know thriving and living and exactly like getting into nature and dancing and moving and that is really how I've been approaching it now as well kind of like yeah I want to get kind of be brought back to life because I feel like I was just numb and kind of literally not living at all and I just think my experience would have been so different if I had a community that was like hey come out with us dancing or you know let's go into the sun and let's really embrace the joy in life because I think that's a massive um, symptom of PTSD as well is that you just lose hope and you lose like that sense of joy and aliveness so I think anything you can do to to like bring that back or other people can do to help you bring it back is so important and I think as well a lot of kind of um almost uh, repressed of anger within that as well another thing is anger I mean I don't really have so much of it anymore but I I know I had it so much when I was younger I was just I was very angry Mm. at the world and I do yeah. uh, boxer size now as well. And that kind of helps get rid of that sort of like aggressive sort of like nature. And um, I think obviously I've been meditating for many, many years now. So I'm a very much more sort of compassionate human being, but it's more of a, a frustration with it and trying to find the balance of not giving in to that. Oh, this is how it is. Um, but trying to, you know, work around it and find things that, you know, are healing for you. Um, I know for me, when you talked about obviously going out in nature, that is so, so massive. And there's been so many studies, you know, that prove, um, I'm reading um, a book about the healing power of nature and how 
took mm. all these um you know soldiers that come back with PTSD and they took them out in nature and you know they, it was always a massive um point I think for us as human beings to connect to nature and I think we've lost that completely and there just yeah. isn't enough of it anymore and um, one of my friend's dads um was actually in the army and he came back from Afghanistan and you know we're not meant to sit in rotten boxes it's not what we're supposed to human beings and whenever he would get really bad you know he'd take himself off into the woods and you know he'd he'd go off and do his thing and you know he just felt completely peaceful out there on his own in his tent whatever he wanted to do and it's almost like it kind of he said to me I remember him saying once it's like a wave just washed washed over him and just cleared Mm. everything out and I think that that is that is massive. So like anything that anyone can help to do, and that's not just the PTSD, you know, it's the things like depression and anxiety disorders and all of these different things that come now with just being in the 21st century. Because I mean, even that's bloody traumatic. It's not exactly amazing. yeah. Our disconnection from nature, from the land, from you know community because so many people are so lonely and isolated and they don't have that anymore that is a trauma as well it's like just how we live is traumatic and but obviously because we haven't experienced anything else or most of us haven't um we don't really register that I think a lot of people can feel that something's wrong but you know like you said Pete it's kind of manifesting in all of these mental illnesses um and it's really interesting I remember watching a TED talk that was uh, saying that you know hunter-gatherer societies don't experience depression and anxiety and all these things and they're diseases of civilization and how we live um, because we're so disconnected from each other from the land you know I think all of these things that you just intuitively know as a human being um, just really simple things like the indigenous wisdom of just you know let's take him out into the sun and <laughs> let's sing to him and dance with him and just make sure that you know this person who's been traumatized isn't sitting alone in their room all day I feel like that's just such common sense but it's like we've lost it and that is so traumatic yeah definitely definitely I I definitely feel you on that one and I think just even now um, I'm gonna say it because it's gonna be a recent podcast but the COVID-19 dilemma that we're going (laughs) through at the moment and people feel so disconnected from it um, and for me, I found it particularly difficult and I know it will be difficult for a lot of people with mental health at the moment because I'm just coming out of that bubble. And I remember you, you, exactly. you posted a, a, a status today on your, your social media talking about this is how I have lived my everyday life. Yeah. Um, and just to get people to kind of take that in for a minute to try and understand it's it's you know but yeah I mean, distancing is- i think social distancing people are wanting to change this idea of it's not a, a social distance it's a physical distance because i can still talk to you as long as you're two meters away you know and i think <laughs> that you know it is almost like that when you're living with ptsd it's like i want to get close to this person but it's too hard and i want to push and i want to pull and i and i just it's too much in my yeah. space and i want to go in, into my own uh, my own world now you know um and it, it is crazy just seeing people like how people are reacting because I'm like this has been my life for like two mm-hmm. years I have just been in my house mm-hmm. pretty much uh, you know I would sometimes go out but it was really rare and I didn't you know I wasn't really seeing anyone I wasn't speaking to anyone really um just really really isolated not getting any help and I've literally just recently come out of that and I'm like yeah I'm ready to get back into the world like I'm not feeling as anxious I'm feeling you know better about myself and more confident I feel like it's been um definitely the theta healing that I had has just had a massive effect on me and I'm like I'm ready to just get back out there you know I'm ready to connect with that feeling of aliveness again and then it's like this happens and I'm like what I was literally had so many things planned and now I just have yeah to and, and I think you, re- you rely on that <laughs> uh, I rely on my diary I am always I need to have something planned for the next day and it's massive if you've got mental health, yeah. that routine of like knowing there's going to be some social time so I can work my way around it. I can do that. I can do this, you know, and having all those kind of things. And people, you know, it's only been two days and my housemates are going bloody stare crazy. Yeah. I can see them. They're itching, itching at the walls. You know, you know, I'm, I mean, it is so unhealthy though. Like it's not, no, it's not. it's not good for you physically or no. mentally. Um, and I'm just, you know, bouncing around the house, dancing in my room with five rhythms on my laptop. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, like this is just my life. <laughs> um, but I think, <laughs> I think people are definitely going to miss, you know, things as in 
the physical touch I think is so important um it's yeah so important it's so healing and I think that's a massive thing as well because it's not just people with mental illnesses that live like this you know this social isolation it's like older people Mm -hmm. and people with like developmental difficulties and just people who maybe don't really fit into society they can go for months without even hugging someone and it's like how can we allow that you know how can we have a society that allows that and I really hope this situation will make people rethink you know these things and, and think about people who live like that and really change it yeah I think that we're definitely going to come out this with a completely different mindset um I think there's going to be a lot of studies into kind of loneliness and how it affects the psyche um I don't know about you but even my therapist was self-isolating so I had no contact there I know a lot of the mental health Mm. groups weren't able to meet up anymore but they were doing kind of phone things which is just not the same is it really um, no you know having a face-to-face conversation just even that eye contact of, of being in close proximity that you can actually look into someone's eyes two meters way too far away yeah. to have an intimate moment with someone yeah exactly and it touch and looking into people's eyes are so important for like regulating your nervous system for calming you down slowing your heart rate making you feel safe um and it's just it's so rare now I mean even touch is like we don't really touch people that much I mean we kind of hug people when we say hi and bye and stuff like that but just kind of you know we don't really hold hands we don't like stroke people's arms we're not very physically affectionate because our society seems to see that as like romantic or sexual even if it isn't um but I wonder if this will kind of make people think like realize all the ways they'd like to touch people in platonic ways but can't because it's I feel like it's easier to think about when it's like oh I actually can't even go near you now. definitely definitely yeah and I think that you know it hopefully it will come a more of a natural thing um remember them uh, reading the study about obviously why has Italy got a lot more cases than us I mean at the moment obviously they've got a lot more cases than us because they have a lot of an older generation than the UK but they're a lot more physical with each other you know the double cheek kiss you know more Mm. kind of interactive they're very family orientated um whereas I don't think we have that kind of you know family orientation the same way as the rest of Europe do we can have nan and granddad in the care home or in a separate house we can have um you know the children with the nanny you know and then mum comes home and dad and they don't even eat at the same table some parents might not sleep in the same bed anymore we're so connected in so Mm. many different ways yeah that's the thing I think loneliness social isolation is a massive trauma Mm. yeah and I really hope that there's more research into it and like just prevention because it's not even necessary yeah definitely well we've got about 10 minutes left um so what I'd like to go into now is just um ways in which people um can help because the whole idea of us doing this podcast was to kind of talk about some of the issues because we've had quite a lot of discussions on oh this would be really great to record really good thing to put out there into the world um, and hope as many people can listen to it as possible um but yeah I know you're very big on obviously getting people to kind of understand um where you're coming from and I know you said obviously your social circle now has changed as you've developed as a person um But is there anyone, you know, not just general PTSD, but mental health, you know, if you've been through it yourself, you kind of understand what people can do to help. Is there anything that that people can do to help themselves if they've experienced trauma or depression or, um, you know, we've talked about obviously trying out different methods, but anything that you found helpful or anything that you think um, other people can do to help others? Um. Yeah, I think the thing with trauma is that it's such a community effort, like it has to be. Because I think a lot of the time when you have PTSD, um, I don't know if it was true for you, but a lot of the time for me, I wouldn't even realise how bad it had gotten Mm -hmm. for me. I think partly because of the dissociation, you're kind of not even there. So it's like, you might not even realise, I haven't been out of the house this week or, you know, I haven't been eating. Oh my God. (laughs) Things like that. So you know, without my fiance, like cooking me food and like making sure I got the house once a week or something, I just don't think I would have, you know, I honestly don't know what would have happened. So I think 
you obviously there are things you can do to help yourself once you've gone through the worst of it but when you're really like in it deeply I think the people around you just have to be so vigilant you've got to go through it you've got to go through that dark night of the soul to go for it to come out the other end and now I think my breakdown is an absolute blessing I mean I took on so much you know I had a death of someone who was really really close to me I'd gone through um something very sexually traumatic I'd I'd had like a a lot of stuff in the past which I thought I'd dealt with but I really just buried it down and hadn't dealt with it and Mm. and it's very very brave to be able to go through that and feel that pain I remember ringing my friend up going through the trauma and you know having the therapy and having other different things and I would come home and I would wail on my yoga mat sometimes an hour and be like this hurts it really bloody hurts yeah no exactly like the the courage it takes I feel like people don't realize the courage it takes to feel the pain go through it all again be committed to healing yourself like it's huge and I feel like um acknowledging that could help people massively like if you know someone with PTSD acknowledging it like wow you know you're so brave I really admire what you're doing like healing yourself and and going through it all and you know not only being traumatized but being committed to changing and healing on top of it yeah and I think that's another thing as well that you have to understand I mean we've talked about this before of you know people are on different kind of life paths at different times and knowing when they are and knowing when they can help and sometimes they might be on a completely different level you know you kind of ascend to a different level or frequency to most people and you have to understand that sometimes you're going to go on about something and they're going to go what you want about crazy hippie you know what I mean and I think that is something that you know you kind of come to understand a lot of people like you've said human beings don't know that they're traumatized or we're traumatized Mm. society that sometimes it's like I take a step back they'll come to me when they need it you can put the information out there and I always go for the understanding of education not belonging because I think that that's what it is but this stuff is scary and a lot of people aren't ready to face it and they're not ready to go through it and they want to avoid it. And I remember even speaking to somebody about this once. They went, yeah, I know all this, but I don't want to know this. But I think that's fine. You know, I feel like you can only do it when you're ready. And like, if you try to do it before you're ready, it could probably have really bad mm-hmm. consequences. So I'm fine with that. But I just think there is a level, you know, it's like if you don't want to heal, that's fine. It's your life. But if you know somebody that is healing and is mm. going through this, there are just basic things that you Extra can do. Support, yeah. Um, to, yeah, to just be, be a decent human being and support them. And it doesn't even have to be massive. It's like, you know, just call them or text them, just invite them to like a local cafe. Or if you have a group of friends and you know they're really isolated and your friends are doing something, just be like, hey, do you want to come along? Or, you know, just whatever you can realistically do um and it's massive (laughs) I would not be I mean have the most beautiful blessed friends around me and the most understanding individuals um that I've ever come across in my life and I would not be here without them you know who held my hand through the worst and saw some really horrible stuff um but they stood by Mm. it and I think sometimes some people just intuitively know they know they get to know you as a person they know you know when you're good when you're not good and I think for me now I'm at a level where I will ask for help if I need it um and people know that now you know is where sometimes that they don't know that and they can almost overfuss or you know sometimes not assume that you know um because I'm going to another thing that day or whatever not to invite you out or you know and I think sometimes Mm. that can be quite difficult um but yeah, yeah, I think it depends. It's just different for everyone. Like for me, I really didn't have that. I didn't have any real support. Um, literally just my fiance. Like I'm not really in contact with my family. Um, for most of you know the past two years, I haven't really had any friends. I lost all my old friends because they were very, you know, they were like drug drug addicts and just you know really unhealed people, and the the friendships all fell apart and. I was just super, super isolated. Um, And so I think it's that. It's the people who you know are really isolated, just don't have anyone. But, you know, maybe you, if you see their posts on Facebook or something or you just know of them, it's like it's so important to just reach out and just forget social convention of, oh, but I don't really know them. Oh, it could be really awkward. 
you know you're potentially saving someone's so, life yeah. basically yeah yeah exactly and I, I always look out for that that sort of thing as well because you know there's a lot of you never know what goes on behind social media and sometimes people can be really really struggling and they just don't say you know these people are that are yeah. very perfectionist you know always putting on a smile always helping out other people and they're the people that struggle the most and I think that's where self-care comes in so much but that's something I've had to learn um as well as boundary setting and all these things that you've never mm-hmm. had as a child that you have to build up yourself um so we've talked about obviously like you know um inviting people out um is there any other kind of things that you think that people could learn um, about PTSD or, or know about it? I mean, yeah, I think if you know someone with PTSD, obviously you can ask them, but you might feel a bit weird about it or they might not want to talk about it. So obviously just looking it up online um, about, you know, reading blogs from people who have it and kind of the more you know about it, I think the more you'd understand about their experience instead of just judging it and, you know, I think because I had a lot of judgment, um, even from like mental health professionals. And I think a lot of it had to do with how I look and that I was a model. And, you know, I'd make an effort to like look nice if I was going out or to an appointment or something and kind of just be judged by, you know, the, the people I was seeing or even just people who knew me. Like, oh, well, why isn't she working? And why is she not doing this? And just this constant judgment. Um And it's like, you know, just take a step back and really think, Mm. you know, who wants to live like this? Or why would someone be speaking out about this if it wasn't the case? Do you know what I mean? Just putting yourself in their shoes. And I think that's Um, huge. I mean, I've even had that from therapists before. You know, you don't look, you know, someone say, you don't look ill. You don't look mentally ill. Oh, sorry. What do I have to do? Put a crazy on and start running around saying the end is nigh. No, um, <laughs> it's it it is it is one of those things that there's hidden and you never know. And another thing to me is sometimes I hadn't been out of the house for days, but I would make that extra effort to get dressed up to go to my appointment because I had yeah. something to do. Exactly, and you want to feel normal when you go outside. You know what I mean? You you already feel like so anxious, and everyone's looking at you, and it's like. Well, you feel that way anyway. They might not be, but you feel so on edge that you just want to do anything to to feel more normal. So, yeah, I'm gonna sort of make sure I look decent when I start. Almost out of the as house. in putting on on the mask and taking off the mask and things like that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, definitely. Um, well, is there anything else that you want to add to the uh, podcast? Um, I feel like yeah, in also you know a lot of people with PTSD if it's really severe they might not want to go outside so maybe going Mm -hmm. over to theirs um you know offering to visit maybe they don't want you to visit because I know there's a lot of shame involved as well like if you're really Mm -hmm. deep in it it's like you haven't showered and you haven't cleaned your house and but you know if you're close enough or they'd be open to it maybe offering to come and help tidy or to make a meal or go grocery shopping or even just like leaving them some flowers or something on their doorstep or a note like yeah thank you I just think it's those things that letting them know that you actually care and you know what they're going through I think for me it's been wanting people to at least acknowledge my pain and acknowledge what I'm going through and I just haven't yeah. received that um for the most part but I feel like that would have really and still would you know change things and just made me yeah feel brilliant almost as if to be seen and heard that you you know you'd never had that that time for that expression and that human connection just to remember that we're all human beings as well yeah exactly. um brilliant so thank you so much for um coming on and um, do tell the people um where they can find you and if you have any upcoming projects for them to look out for as well um hopefully I might even do another one of these um I'm going to be doing 30 days um of poetry podcast and plants that's a um a tongue twizzler um so every day I'm going to be posting (laughs) on my social media something different um so it would be starting with this podcast and lead on to many other um great things but anything about yourself um well I will be releasing a single at some point when this coronavirus stuff is over and I can book a studio um it'll probably be a few months my Instagram is at Evangeline Del Fisne which is D-E-L and then C-I-S-N-E um and my Facebook is Gabriella Evangeline brilliant 
and that's yeah so if i'm when i'm releasing stuff it fantastic well thank you so much it's been absolutely brilliant um i hope that you guys um listening to this have learned something new um or got something great out of it to pass on to someone else um and just remember that you are all fantastic and we love you thank you bye bye